Hello, my name is Jen Frost and I'm the host of the Reality Check podcast and a superannuation and investment BDM. I have a long working relationship with Tim and recently while we were catching up, the topic of cryptocurrency came up and we realised we were probably in a pretty similar position and that was we knew very little about it, we'd done very little research and we probably had some pretty ill-informed opinions about the whole world. So instead of embarking on this journey of knowledge ourselves, we thought we would join forces with the Grass is Greener audience, with the Reality Check audience, and go on this journey together of decrypting cryptocurrency. So come along for the ride, listen in for the next four episodes as we pull apart this world and try to make sense of cryptocurrency. Here we are. Welcome back to episode two of Decoding Cryptocurrency. I'm Tim Henry. I'm here with Jen Frost again. How are you, Jen? Hi, Tim. It's great to be back here for episode two. I'm so excited to get started. Well, it was a lot of fun in episode one, uh, going back to basics and learning a lot more about um, just the basic terms of what makes up cryptocurrency. Um, Really excited for today, though. Uh, we've got a fantastic guest uh, that we chatted to. And I have to say, Jen, after chatting with our guest, you can tell the listeners a little bit more about him, but um, I really felt like it just crystallized a whole lot of um, these terms for me. And let's be honest, I think he did a better job of explaining some of it than us. We have to own up to that. Oh my gosh, that is the absolute truth, Tim. I think, look, I'm going to start by telling our audience that the guest we are speaking to in today's interview, um, he is anonymous. He's coming to us. I'm not going to tell you who he is. <laughs> and and I think that creates almost a beautiful um, layer of mystery to yes. that I quite enjoy. But we, we just couldn't resist sharing this with you and sharing, as we said right from the beginning, we want to share this journey and both of us felt that the conversation with this guest really changed our both understanding and I think our yeah. attitude, most importantly, our, our attitude to, to the role in cryptocurrency um, both today and into the future. So this gentleman, um, incredibly knowledgeable guy, very, very intelligent um, in all facets of his life, but has contributed, has has um, bought cryptocurrency and and been in this world um, for quite a few years now. But the thing that I liked about speaking to him, the thing that I felt was important to share with our audience, Tim, was his capacity to translate it. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely, yeah. Especially some of those really complex terms that that you and I gave a red hot crack to last episode. And fingers crossed our audience are going to think that we did did a a somewhat good job of it, but I think he did better. (laughs) Well, I think what it does is it it just helps to solidify it, and I think it did a lot for me. And I even reckon listening back to the episode, I could even hear some of the comments I was even making myself. It was all starting to make sense to me, some of this stuff. Um, a couple of the things I really loved about um, the interview, I, I loved the discussion broadly about what a currency actually is and what 
what represents a currency. Because yeah, I think in can... some ways we overstate our own currency, don't we? And Tim, the audience will be able to hear like probably the light bulb clicking in my brain somewhat around that conversation because I just had this moment, guys, where I realised that I'm already part of a digitalised kind of (laughs) currency and trade just in the things we do day to day already. So, yes, I agree. That point was really, um, it really rang true, didn't it? So I reckon we just get straight into it, Jen. What do you reckon? And after the interview, hang around because we're going to chat about our uh, what's happened this week in our own crypto world and how we got on with, um, I got on getting a digital wallet, which was pretty cool. Digital wallet. Tim's getting real people. He's a proper crypto boy now. So listen in. We've got a really exciting interview coming up next. And hopefully within the next half an hour, I think you guys are going to have an even deeper understanding of cryptocurrency. So enjoy. If this is your first time tuning in to The Grass is Greener, make sure you subscribe to the show on your platform of choice so you'll automatically receive each episode as soon as it's released. The thing that we're really interested for our audience to hear from you today is when I first spoke to you and we spoke about your journey and where it started with crypto. So could you tell us a little bit about, I guess, what piqued your interest in the first place, when when that was and sort of, you know, what eventuated from that? Sure. Well, originally I just thought it was just like silly internet tokens that people could maybe use to buy extra games on Facebook or something like that. You know, I ran out of lives so I can pay a Bitcoin to get an extra turn or or watch an ad, you know, that sort of thing. Um, So I didn't pay much attention for years. And then um, a friend of mine who just loves investing, he, he, um, he started getting a bit interested. I think some of his friends got him into it and he was concerned more about how to do it without taking on too much risk. He loves index investing. He loves the, you know, the big Vanguard funds and all that sort of stuff. Yep. Yep. And so I thought, Oh, just have a laugh. And I brought up up the top 20 um, coins by market cap and I just chucked them in a spreadsheet and I said, there's your portfolio. It's a top 20 index. He's like, Oh, that's really cool. And uh, he watched that for a while and he saw that it went up incredibly. This was 2017. So it was a bull market. And, um, he eventually bought Bitcoin and Ethereum at that time and uh, he doubled his money in a, a couple of months and and then it was getting towards the end of 2017 and I'm like, mate, this is a train wreck waiting to happen. Get out of it. It's it's total bubble. It's tulip mania. Yeah. I got I got into work one morning and I was in the elevator going up to the office and someone said, someone who, you know, I got the impression that they didn't, weren't that familiar with investments so much. And she says to a friend of hers, oh, I bought some Bitcoin yesterday. I was like, time to sell. <laughs> <laughs> well, and, I think uh, it's that famous, uh, I forget who said it now, but um, uh, it was like a famous investor who said, when my taxi driver is asking me about uh, what he should invest in, it's time to sell. <laughs> yeah, that's it. So I, I said to the, my friend, I said, yeah, get out. And he was like, oh, I might ride a bit longer. But no, he told me a couple of weeks later that he did sell out. So. He, yep. he had doubled his investment and he had some trouble getting off the exchange because uh, there's a, when there's a lot of transactions, there can be a lot of delays as well. So that gave him a bit of a negative experience and he, he was happy to get out and didn't really want to get back in. And then he was done with it. And um, that sort of, I guess, drew my attention to it and I started looking at it a bit more casually and a bit less dismissively, I suppose. And when the market crashed in early 2018, I thought, mm, 
you know, if there's something to this, maybe now's a good time to buy, you know, yeah. with the bloods on the streets. And uh, kept watching it for a while, um, you know, watching a bit of YouTube videos about what it was because at that stage I still didn't really know what it was. And um, then, yeah, probably towards the end of 2018, I finally bought a little bit of Bitcoin with the with a you know five percent fee or something ridiculous like that, and this tiny amount like you know, yeah. fifty dollars or something, and I felt like I'd just bet on the races or something. <laughs> <laughs> don't tell anyone. Keep a secret. It's so silly. You you've made such a silly mistake. <laughs> you know, throwing away your money. Um, but no, it wasn't thrown away at all. Um, the the market did do a little bit more of a dip after that, and I kept buying a little bit more and more and more and. Uh, exploring into the different coins uh, at that time. Uh, Monero was particularly interesting to me because it had a lot of the the good things about Bitcoin, but also other really positive things like I was saying before about the block size that's quite limited in Bitcoin. The Monero block size can expand as it needs to. Monero is also much more private. People can't track or trace the transactions where they can with Bitcoin. Yeah. and it's also cheaper to transact. It costs probably less than one cent to move your Monero around. So I bought a little bit of that and um, bought some Ethereum too, bought some Bitcoin cash, bought some Litecoin and ended up getting out of the Ethereum. Uh, I don't know. I don't buy it anymore. I don't understand the value of it, to be honest. I think it's a it's an inferior technology and uh, I think it's, still got momentum based on its brand but i think yeah. it's that's pretty much it they've got good marketing and uh that's about all they've got going for them at the moment to my it's mind. interesting what you're saying there because the more we have these conversations it, it seems to come back to the technology it seems mm-hmm. to come back to the how does the chain actually work yes. and and that sort of thing so yeah. you know what what firstly how are you judging that Mm. Is that just your own perception yep. or is there some way you're researching that or is it through your own experience? So I think there's a few elements of what I would say is the, the value of a particular cryptocurrency. So, yes, the, definitely the technology yep. is a big one. Also, the, I guess, the awareness of it. So if people don't know about it, it doesn't matter how good your technology is, yep. they're not going to buy it. And uh yeah, I guess they're the main things. But the technology, there's a few different elements about what what is um, valuable to, to my yeah. mind there. So it's got to be cheap to transact or maybe not necessarily cheap, but it's got to be value for what you're getting out of it. So you know, when you buy and sell gold, for example, it's normal to pay, say, 1% transaction fee Yeah, because it's gold. You're not going to move it around that often. You're just going to mm, buy yeah. it and stash it for who knows, and then one day you might sell it and and you expect to pay that sort of transaction fee. Now, if people paid a 1% transaction fee for Bitcoin, they'd be screaming, what a ripoff. Yeah. The, the transaction fee is actually comparatively very low compared to something like gold. But Bitcoin, like I was saying before, they're trying to... more often. Yeah, but maybe, 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 maybe they're not. Maybe they're setting it up as this is your vault. So you yeah. put the, the cryptocurrency that's not your sort of working cash you put that in the bitcoin and just sort of stash it there because it's really secure it's you know digital gold perhaps that's kind of sort of how they seem to have directed their technology towards targeting that end of the market 
Well, I think Jen's just been smiling here because um, as an investment manager, she's always talking about costs with advisors and that. And so I think she's just happy to hear that um, <laughs> this has also got a cost element to it. Uh, uh, she's in the game here. But, but I think that is a really interesting point. I am laughing mm. for exactly that reason. But this is a bigger part of what we're talking about in this series um, on this on this podcast is cryptocurrency as an investment versus cryptocurrency as a currency and as a as yep. a means for to, yep. to pay for goods and services. Mm, yeah. And very much as you said then, the the cost of things like transactions, the value of that will will change depending on how you're using that. If I'm and I'm just thinking this myself, if I'm buying it, even if I'm going to stash it now for five, 10 years, if in time it's going to be something that I'm going to want to use transactionally, then the transaction costs, I don't want them high because mm. I want to be able to freely use it. Yep. So that is interesting, isn't it? And, and so then you've got your other cryptocurrencies that are much more focused on being transactable. For, like, you can buy a cup of coffee with Bitcoin cash because it costs you less than a cent to, to send it. You can buy it with Monero because it's similarly cheap. Litecoin is very cheap too. But those blockchains are potentially easier to... 51% attack um, will cost a lot less to do that. And so that's the trade-off there. So that I guess that then opens, like even if you just think of your own banking situation with in the normal world, you, know, you might have a little transaction account that you yep. use and then you might have your big investment account. So it's a little bit like that, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. 100% emergency like that. fund. You know how I feel yeah. about an emergency fund? You could yeah. have one of those that yeah. is... Yeah more secure so, yeah. higher transactional costs because i i'm not going to access it all that often and i need it to be sitting there yep. but then my everyday account yeah that's right is so yeah. let's go back a step because i was very interested by you talking about things like transaction costs and, and security how would i joe public find mm. out that about these different types of of crypto how would i find out mm. the cost of one versus the other Couple of ways. Spreadsheet for me. <laughs> Couple of ways you could find it out, um, but you'd find it out by doing it, or you could you could potentially Google it. I don't know, but uh, the way that I would suggest people check is find whatever the exchange that they want to use. So, just yeah, sorry, taking a little bit of a step back is how to access cryptocurrencies. Is you need to somehow get your cash into the cryptocurrency environment. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So the challenge there is finding what they call a fiat on-ramp, so somewhere you can ramp on your cash into that digital environment. So get it into that ecosystem. Fee so on-ramp, is that fiat, right? Fee, fiat. Fee on-ramp. Fiat. 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 Like fiat currency okay. is your, yes. your government-issued currencies. Yes. So you need to find some way to get them into the crypto environment. So currently the best way to do that is through exchanges. So in Australia, we've got a few big ones. We've got Coinbase, we've got uh, Independent Reserve, we've got BTC Markets. Um, there's probably others, but I can't think of them right now. Um, so you can transfer your money from your bank into there, and then you can buy whatever cryptocurrencies they have on their exchange. And you'll be buying them off other people. And the exchange will also have market makers in those exchanges to just make sure there's enough liquidity there. And so you, you get your, your, get your Australian dollars or whatever currency you have into there, you'll buy your let's say Bitcoin, and then when you want to move it off that exchange into your own personal wallet, 
that's when you'll start getting the real fees. And different exchanges will charge different fees, but they'll be usually roughly in line with what the network fees are. So to get your, get your Bitcoin off independent reserve, for example, is 0. 0.0003 Bitcoin, which is probably about, you know, Bitcoin today is about $70,000. So that's about $21, right. um, which is fairly hefty. If you instead bought, let's say, Litecoin or Bitcoin Cash, you'd probably pay a couple of cents to get it off the exchange. But so it's really interesting got- now that you're saying this because when, when you think about things that you buy in your normal world, um, yep. you can get slugged a couple of percent with, with credit cards and that sort of yes. thing for the actual transaction. Yes. So this makes it an, a really... If you can buy things and have low transaction costs, it's a legitimate yeah. way to buy normal things, isn't it? Absolutely. So like that example, Bitcoin 0. 0.0003 Bitcoin. Three. If you're spending you know, one Bitcoin on a transaction, it'd have to be a fairly significant transaction, but you know, that's less than one third of 1%, yeah? Yeah. Or it's even less than that. It's less than one third of, well, one... <laughs> 10 times yeah, that yeah, so yeah. yeah yeah it's tiny in in that context uh compared to the example we were talking about before with yeah, gold if you wanted cool. to cash in your gold and you're paying one percent to do so it's yeah. going to cost you a lot more and again as you just said and and let's think about some of the things that we are starting to hear obviously the very famous one with with um, elon musk saying you can buy a tesla using Bitcoin, then if American Express is going to charge me, what what do you reckon from a credit card perspective, 0.1%, you know, could be higher in yeah. terms of a credit card fee. So I, I actually would be charged considerably less transaction fee to pay it via a cryptocurrency. Did you buy there's a Tesla or a huge... Well, I bought my Tesla on my American Express. Yeah. On my well, huge American is, Express. <laughs> a huge incentive is out there for vendors, uh, you know, businesses to accept crypto payments. It'll save them a fortune because they're paying you know, up to like 1% on every single time someone yeah. taps their credit card to buy something. And if they accept, for example, Bitcoin Cash, they pay nothing. The person sending them the money will pay the fee which will be next to nothing. And the problem then obviously is what do you do with it once you've got it? Do you convert it into fiat AUD, Australian dollars, or do you then find somewhere else to spend it? And we're not yeah. quite there yet. And that's the problem. That's why people are probably not accepting it as much as they could, because then you, if you convert that Bitcoin cash to Australian dollars, you'll pay transaction fees there. You have yeah. to go to an exchange, you'll have to, swap it so the hassle there still probably be cheaper than yeah i think fees on credit cards as a financial planner who helps people do budgeting um yeah it's just interesting to think well putting the investment side to one side of these of Mm. of the currency if you're just using it to have cheaper transaction costs for the things you buy every day um you're taking that whole element out of the equation you're going to save money aren't you Possibly. And, and, and I think what I really heard in that, and I've talked about this on, on podcast episodes before, is cost, i.e. we can save on transactional costs versus effort, 
Yeah. And what I'm hearing right now is that sounds like a lot of effort. A lot of effort, yeah. You know, yeah. where imagine if there really was a world, which I'm certainly a lot of people we're speaking to are saying maybe it's five, ten years away, but this will come, is a world where I get my phone, I tap the QR code to pay via Bitcoin, I'm saving a whole pile of transaction fees, as is the the supplier, as mm. is whoever I'm buying these goods and services from. Yep. But then they now have my my crypto, my 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 money. Uh-huh. It's very easy for them, as you said, to then go on and use it or 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 do whatever they want. It's that element. Yeah. It's a yeah. bit of a hassle right now, isn't it? It is. And then you've got risks. It's still it's like using a foreign exchange, like a, a different currency from another country, like ex- accepting American dollars, for example. Yeah. Um, so you've got that foreign exchange risk potentially. If you want to eventually use that money to buy things in Australian dollars. You've got potential fluctuations there. Now we're yeah. not always going to be in bull markets, so there will be times when the value of that will go down relative yeah. to your purchasing power um, in your local currency. So I think that puts some people off too. Um, but if we get to the point where we've had enough adoption that you can just keep your currency within that environment, I think a lot more people will be using it rather than having to swap back out into regular money. And I think that's really key again. It's it's the whole sort of and the, the little bit that we're researching about it, the mm. foundations of this being that um, centralised currency, yet at the moment, because I guess of the infancy of it as a concept, most of us are still most of us are still currency hedging it, for lack of a better word. We we still are, are, are going in between AUD and crypto. Yeah. I'm buying Bitcoin. I'm making money, but I'm making AUD. I'm thinking of it as I've, yes. I've made more money in Australian yes. dollars where one time into the future, if this grows how, as people are expecting it, you won't be thinking about it like that. There won't be a currency hedge no. because I'm, I'm buying Bitcoin, I'm receiving Bitcoin, and I'm thinking about it as Bitcoin. Yes. And things would be valued in Bitcoin or whatever is the main yeah. means of exchange. So you'll think about, you know, Tesla costs a Bitcoin. It doesn't cost seventy thousand dollars. Yeah. And in if it, if it goes to half a Bitcoin next year, well then it's like it's on special. So you can yeah. you know, get That's two tough. Teslas for the price of one. And and just to to show that it is a real currency, like this can happen with any currency. I remember traveling in Turkey twenty years ago, and um, I think the the currency was devaluing 10% per day at that, uh, while we were there and no one would accept Turkish money because they couldn't ex- exchange it quick enough. So it was yep. all in US dollars. And we, yeah, were, exactly we were going right. to buy US dollars to buy things in Turkey. In Turkey. And, and they, only they wanted US dollars too. Yeah. So in Venezuela, cryptocurrencies did really well and American dollars too because it's yeah. a bit more stable purchasing power because it's not being hyperinflated away to zero. Um. I was really interested in, you know, what you do think the future mm. is for, for crypto, but just even from that, the real usage that I love that we're talking about here. Mm. I think possibly, I don't think it's certain by any stretch, but possibly what we'll have is a future where crypto would be fully adopted and we won't have a need for central banks. We might not even have a need for regular retail banks. I think that we're probably closer to that than we are to not needing central banks, to be honest, because yeah. when people know the central banks are building their central bank digital currencies, that'll take out the middleman. We won't need 
a, a branch because it'll all be digital. We'll be able to pay with our with our phone and it'll go straight to the reserve bank <clears> and then go straight into the vendor's account with the reserve bank also. We're halfway there with the OSCO network. Like what how that works, I don't know if you guys are aware, but you know, the Reserve Bank has accounts in there for all of the major banks. And when you pay someone with that pay ID, the Reserve Bank just takes it out of like ANZ's account, puts it into NAB's account. Yeah. And that's how OSCO essentially Osco, works. So, yeah. so we're halfway there to the CBDCs. That's within, and, the, within the normal traditional yeah, system. They've already yeah, built the infrastructure for it. Yeah. So the next step is to just say, okay, every every individual now you're going to have your direct link to the Reserve Bank instead of what you currently do it's not far away and i think but obviously this is um it's exciting in some ways and it's scary in other ways because you sort of think well yes uh banks who've got a lot of money and power at stake and governments that like control they're not Mm. just going to sit back and say well let's let this let this run on Um, and as much as they like to say (laughs) the reserve bank is independent um you know obviously government has a lot of influence there so I think that is that would be the tipping point. So, see, central bank digital currencies rolled out, everyone using them. Yeah. People start realizing, okay, now the government knows everything that I spend my money on. They know exactly how much I earn. They know exactly how much I spend, where I spend it. I don't really like that. No. I want a bit more privacy, a bit more anonymity. We don't have cash anymore. Let's just say in theory, but yeah. they've gotten rid of cash. You have to use your digital currency. I I don't like knowing how much I spend at the pub or or you know on subway or something. So what's the alternative? And it's already been built. And we're already at that point, we're already familiar with paying digitally with our phones or whatever. All you gotta do is use a different method. So yeah. they're already ready there to take it over. So just this is my naivety here. So the technology, the blockchain technology is anonymous. Is that what you're saying? No, uh, pseudonymous. pseudonymous um, oh. So that there's no obviously names or anything, but most blockchains, so Bitcoin, Bitcoin Cash, Ethereum, uh, Litecoin, the the main big ones that everybody is fairly, fairly familiar with, um, are transparent. So you can see all of the transactions that have ever occurred. So there's a bit of a risk there yeah. that if if someone wants to know where like they can see you bought this Bitcoin on this exchange because the exchange told the government. Well, you actually have to KYC for exchanges. So they know yeah. that it was you who bought that Bitcoin. And then they can see that Bitcoin went from point A to B. Okay, yeah. And they can have a fairly good guess of what point B is based on yeah. other transactions they can analyze. And then it went B to C and then it went C to D and then it was spent on drugs. So it's like, whoa, this guy yeah. may, may have bought drugs. Let's keep an eye on him. So that's a bit of a risk with with cryptocurrencies, and that's where things like Monero and a, a much smaller one called Pirate Chain, which is even better technology than Monero, um, that's where they come into their their real value starts to shine. So you send send Monero from point A to point B, they can see in point A in your exchange, they can see what the wallet address was at point B, but after that's disappeared. They've got no idea what happens there. All right. And so, you know, that could be your your own private wallet and then you send it to someone else, nobody knows. Right. And it's interesting, I'm, I'm going back a bit of a step actually, but 
I was really sort of absorbed by this conversation of this moment in the future where currency from the central reserve is is digitalized mm. and i think if we think back you know i i'm in my mid-30s and i had a checkbook once i owned a checkbook you know probably bang on kind of 18 years of age i owned a checkbook and i wrote a check once i remember vividly writing a check <laughs> once where if you look at my parents they write they that was absolutely commonplace for them writing a check so you know so many of us today and i'm i feel like i'm absolutely you know young and and only just learning about crypto yet i do transact digitally you know yeah. i transfer you money via osco i pay using i'm um, um, you'll be so proud of me i've learned how to put my phone on my you know my credit card on my phone oh. i'm i'm in the modern day world i i <laughs> hold my phone and it yeah. beeps and someone takes money off me you know so i am transacting digitally i am a big modern day grown up and yeah. the reason i'm saying this is i think perhaps some of our audience feel very fearful of this unknown, but actually maybe we're complicating it too much. Maybe mm. we're being fearful of something that actually we're already doing. Yeah. Just has yep, a different absolutely. name. Absolutely. And, you know, in, in China, most people pay with apps. Alipay, WePay, I think it's called. Um, in Africa, because their currency is so unstable, people pay with phone credit. They'll send minutes to each other like that. That's cryptocurrency that's, there. Yeah, it is, isn't it? it does, yeah. It's not on a blockchain, but that's the, exactly the same concept. And you now people are worried about if the government doesn't back the currency, then will it just fall over? Well, those, those, that's a great example of those phone minutes. But in, um, in Italy, the, the Italian lira, I think it was, uh, it was taken off being um, legal tender probably early 2000s. Yeah. Um, but now that's more valuable than ever because the scarcity factor, there's yeah. no more lira going to be printed ever. Um, the, the mafia likes to use it because it's anonymous. They can't be traced. And so it's created its own value. It's got, um, it's exactly like, like Bitcoin, for example, or the other cryptocurrency, exactly the same concept. It's not backed by any government, but it has a value because people agree that it does. I think that's the thing, isn't it? It's the real world value. That's what we keep coming back to. Mm. And the, the example you've got there with the the minutes. Um, I love that. It's sort of self-regulated because it's of such value to everyone that everyone's happy to give and receive in mm -hmm. in those minutes. Yeah, great, great analogy. Mm. And it is that basics, the very basics of what we're talking about. You know, what is currency? Currency yep. is... I'm giving you something of value mm. so that you give me something of value. Yep. You know, it's right. It's barter. It's old school. Like instead mm. of instead of giving, you know, magic beans, yeah. we give or Australian gold dollars. Coins. Or, absolutely, silver or gold, or we give mm. phone minutes, or we give crypto. So yep. really it, it is exactly that, isn't it? Yep. So talk to me about this, I guess, the investment side of it, because that's mm. one of the things, you know, yeah. we've been looking at a little bit, and that is quite simple. And a lot of people want to know. And, and a lot of yeah, people do sure. want to know. And, and yeah, in fact, sure. you originally told us this story about your mate who, yep. a bit of an investment buff, went out, bought a ton, doubled in price. He managed to get out at the right time. But what do you think about using Bitcoin quite simply as a stock market gamble, so to speak, <laughs> yeah. a crypto market gamble? Well, I think if you're approaching... Bitcoin or any other cryptocurrencies from the viewpoint of to try to make more Australian dollars, 
I think that's completely the wrong approach. I think it's very speculative. It's very risky. I think if you're trying to do that, then you, like I'd say, yeah, like any places. investment, isn't it? It's just... Oh, look, I think it's much more risky. I yeah. think if you've, it's, it's at that point, we're so early in the crypto market now, so yeah. early that, that it's just too soon to say with any kind yeah. of surety what's going to happen. If you buy a share in a company that has actual assets, it has staff, it has intellectual property, everything, there's always going to be something there. If that company gets liquidated, they will sell it off, pay the credits, maybe you'll get something back. But, you know, yeah. that's a risk you take when you buy shares. Um, but there is something tangible underlying that somewhere where cryptocurrency, all they've got is, well, they've got all these networks, but you know, if that if they shut off all the electricity, for example, you know, then they're not going to be there anymore. Um, all those computers could die. Yeah. People could just decide not to do it anymore and it will just disappear. It's very speculative. So the way I see it, in, if, if I look at it as an investment, it's an investment in a future potential world, which is the world where we use it. So I'm with a real use. Yeah, exactly. So I'm I'm buying it with the with the idea that I'll hold it either forever or until we start using it and then I can use it. And I don't plan to sell it before then because that's not the point of it. Yeah. So in your mind, it's more and let's go back to my favorite word, it is almost an emergency fund. You are you yep. are future proofing yes. your financial position. Your yes. attitude is that at some point into the future, the world will require crypto to 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 operate, and you, that's, that's your belief, yeah. and therefore you're holding a wallet of it. Is that yeah, hundred percent right? spot on. It's just like people who buy gold yeah. because yeah. they think that the currency is being hyperinflated. Um, people buy silver and gold for those reasons. Um, to me, cryptocurrency is exactly the same. It's it's a a bet on a potential future outcome, and um, like you said, it's insurance policy. You know, if if we go it become this crypto world, I'm buying insurance now, so to make sure that myself and my family are financially set up if that occurs. For the same reason, I would buy gold if I was expecting the government to hyperinflate like they did in Venezuela. That's an insurance for the future potential situation too. Yeah. Well, that's really interesting, isn't it? And I think I would hazard a guess, certainly the people I've been speaking to, it isn't the thing at the forefront of most people's minds when they think about crypto. What they think about is, might I get a 350% return on my 50 bucks? Yeah. Mm. You know, so really this is about framing that conversation in an entirely different way. Will you choose to think about crypto as an insurance policy, an emergency fund for the future, as opposed to an investment vehicle for today. Well, one of one of the cryptocurrencies that I have um, yesterday in, in 24 hours, it went up 10 times what I paid for it. Um, <laughs> well played. But, that, that, but that's irrelevant. You know, the 350 is like, that's that's small bickies when you're talking about crypto potential returns, you know. Yeah. Um, but, but like I was saying, that's, that's not the point. The point is I bought that asset for a reason and I continue to hold that asset for the same reason what it's worth in Australian dollars or US dollars is irrelevant it's there for that reason it's that insurance policy one of the things I'm interested in because I'm now intrigued by the different types of coins and the different uses for each 
where is a good place to research that and actually understand the categories? Mm. Oh, I'd learn it just by doing it. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm self-taught, I guess you could say. Um, I think for me, it's just about thinking, well, what kind of things would you use it for? Would I want to go down the shop and buy my groceries yeah. with it? Or would I want to buy a yeah, house? If you wanted to do that, if you wanted yeah. to, oh, I think, you know, there's some that is good for paying for utilities. There's some yep. that might be good for buying a cup yep. of coffee. I don't know. Yeah. Um, exactly. where, how do you learn that? I mean, is there somewhere, is there good resources out there where you can read about that or you just got to do your own research? I think just figure it out. It's not yeah. that complicated. Once you understand the basics of each of the options available to you, then what's what's their strong points, what's their weak points, what's their points of difference. And I think the points of difference to me is real key to deciding which ones that I want to actually buy and hold. Because if something doesn't have a point of differentiation, it's similar to something else and that something else has more potential of a future, why would I hold the other thing? Yeah. It just doesn't make sense. So I, I always think of Bitcoin Cash and Litecoin. They're very similar in their utility, both very cheap, both very fast. Um, their market caps are around about the same, but I prefer Bitcoin Cash. And the reason is because it's part of the Bitcoin network. So you've got three main Bitcoins, I guess, Bitcoin Core, Bitcoin yeah. Cash, and Bitcoin Satoshi Vision. So your Bitcoin Core is your vault, kind of like your stash for a rainy day. Your Bitcoin cash is your sort of your transactional actual cash. And your Satoshi vision is the one that has the blocks that can expand as necessary. And you can you can build all sorts of applications on there. You can put your whole business on there. Um, Tuvalu, the, the Pacific Island, has built their whole financial system. Mm. On so, you know, it, the potential there is amazing. And that that's always been Ethereum's kind of big, selling point is they can you can build apps on the ethereum blockchain yeah. and stuff like but bitcoin satoshi vision does the same arguably better and um it's part of the bitcoin team so if you're going to choose ethereum or bitcoin satoshi vision obviously you go with the bitcoin option you know that's the way i think about it so which one's got the more potential for the future well that's it it's, it's clear as day there and ethereum's had all sorts of problems with scaling that their network is grinding to a halt. It's become really expensive to transact. And it's not like it's, it doesn't have the value of Bitcoin, which is also expensive. And they cost about the same to transact. So why would you choose, let's say, Ethereum over Bitcoin? Wouldn't you go, if you're paying $20 to transact, you go with the one that has some more yeah. value. Mm-hmm. And I think that's probably a great place to end it, is, is thinking about this as taking away the expectation that you can guess when you're going to make a buck off it Mm. as opposed to holding it and just having faith that at some point into the future you'll be really grateful that you invested in it now yeah yeah absolutely if you're looking for a community of like-minded people who are going on a journey similar to you then i invite you to join the grass is greener facebook group where you can connect share and learn from other people just like you. Welcome back, guys, and I really hope you enjoyed that interview as much as Tim and I did. Honestly, both of us just really got a lot out of it. And I, I said, Tim, you know, one of the things that I sort of have mentioned to a few people in my life is 
I hadn't really thought of crypto as anything other than a gamble up until this yep. point. You know, to, the, that first day you and I sat down to first talk about it and I sort of said it's blackjack. Like it's totally, <laughs> it's just it's just a casino. It's just Well, I think that's what everyone's conversation's about, isn't it? Who, yes. N- it's all about the investment and the ups and downs. I, I just really enjoyed that discussion because it was it was all about it being a genuine bona fide currency that actually has could have some huge benefits if enough people value it. This is the key. Uh, needs a mass amount of people to place a value on it and say, I'm prepared to trade in that currency. And I think let's talk about a few things that are, a few key things to me. So a it's it's in its infancy. You know, we those yeah. those buying it today, like our guest, are thinking of it not what's going to happen to it in the next year, certainly not the next months. They're thinking about years and years in advance. Really, they set it up as almost buying it today is almost like an insurance policy. Yeah. You know, it's it's saying I'm buying. Oh, gosh, Tim, it just popped up in my mind. It, it could almost be like a superannuation analogy, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I'm investing in the future. I'm, I'm yeah. thinking about putting this pool of money aside so that if one day it, it's kicked off and the world is actually operating in a low transaction fees, highly secure, digitalised world, then I've already got my portfolio there. Well, I'm going to be honest with you, Jen. I, as you know, have purchased some of the cryptocurrency and my little mission this week after that interview is I, I'm going to try and find something to spend it on. I want to trade for a good, not not just buy trade for another currency. Something. I want to see if I can purchase something with, with one of the currencies I've got. That would and be cool, don't you think? Have you begun this journey yet, Tim? Because you no. haven't told me about this. This is brand no, new information. No, I haven't. No. <laughs> it was... Um, it was something I that it. I thought of wanting to do um, after listening to that interview again. And why not? See if we can buy a cup of coffee or something. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> I absolutely love this. And I'm, I'm really excited about you bringing our audience in on this over the next couple of weeks. Because yeah. this was one of the things, a little bit of a precursor to Episode 3, actually, Tim, is the guest that we spoke to in Episode 3 told us the story of the first time he bought, it was beer, wasn't it? Yeah, it was, yeah. That he bought beer. Coming up we, next week. Coming up next week, guys. And honestly, it's a cracker, Tim and I. It, we're, I can't remember what year it was now, Tim. Anyway, I, I think it, it was week. 2013. 2013, yeah. And you and I are thinking, oh, my God, like I, I didn't even know how to tap my credit card at that point. Yeah. I still had to sign for this. I was more worried for him because obviously uh, he probably hasn't done the mess on how much money he lost by buying that beer. But, um, yeah, so that, that that's going to be interesting to see if we can find someone to actually purchase a a service or a, or, or a small good. I'm excited about these. And Tim, the other thing I really want you to share with the audience, because I'm part of this journey with you. We spoke to the guys last week. We both bought some cryptocurrency. Yes. Now we both purchased that by going to a reserve. And I believe we went to a different one. An exchange. Correct. Yeah, an exchange. Could I get my words out (laughs) to to an exchange? And we went to different ones. That was the key point. Yes. So I think um, what our listener mentioned in, Sorry, what our um, guest mentioned today was a very um, over-engineered way of describing how you actually buy. I think he called it an on-ramp or something like that. Correct. I think that that in layman's terms is actually just going to an exchange app um, and purchasing some with your credit card 
Um, that's what I did with Coinbase. Um, that was just an app I downloaded to the phone. Did the transaction on the credit card for a small amount of those currencies. Um, but as we heard last week, holding, just letting the, um, the, the funds sit on that exchange is not the safest way to hold them. It basically, you're allowing Coinbase them to sit in Coinbase's storage. So what they, uh, a lot of people advise is you actually, it's physical money, actually extract that money now in those currencies to a specific secure wallet that you hold yourself. So I went through that process this week. So I used a, um, a, an app called Exodus and went through the process. It was pretty cool, I have to say. Um, once I set up the Exodus account and said, I've got Bitcoin, um, it said, well, here's the code uh, for your Bitcoin wallet. And all I had to do was copy that into the Coinbase uh, system and say, send the Bitcoin to that code. And it just turned up in the wallet about 10 seconds later. <laughs> It was unbelievable. Oh, goodness. And, and I must say that speed that you're referring to, um, so the exchange I used is called Independent Reserve. Yeah. I didn't even have to download a, an app. I just did it in a browser. Um, and I was alarmed by the lack of security. Yeah, know? that's right. So there's no security really on the, the exchange. That's why I think you want to get it off. And mm. on the Exodus one, high level of security so it basically gets you to put in your password i think and maybe even three times because it makes the point every time if you forget your password when we're not sending you a reminder yeah, you have to know it red rover it's all over so and then it's got a 12 12 word code as a backup and you've got to write that down somewhere so that was really cool to know that's now sitting in a secure wallet um i have to say Chopping and changing it around like that isn't ideal because I think you get, like any exchange of any currency, uh, the people that are helping you exchange that take a little bit of a fee on the way through. So you don't want to be doing it over and over. But the one thing I would say is I'd, I'd bought those four currencies in um, or three currencies in Coinbase. What I would now do, having gone through this process, I just would have bought Bitcoin and transferred that to the wallet because once you're in the wallet, you can actually exchange that with other wallet holders like really easily for anything you want. So the exciting thing, Jen, for me was I was able to trade off. You ready for it? Oh, my God, I'm so excited for you to tell I me. I offloaded a couple, one currency which called EOS because that was really hard to, that was very involved to have to have a wallet for that. Um, it was costly, so I got rid of that. And I bought some sushi swap. Oh my! And I bought Lord some Dogecoin, so <laughs> that's great. I hope our audience are as excited about <laughs> the addition of sushi. Talk. So, what I want to know, Tim, is can we buy sushi with it? You know, I love sushi. Well, so... here's the thing: so it all seems a little bit flippant, doesn't it? When you hear our guest who just articulated everything so well, and and even our guest next week, the amount of research and 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 knowledge they have around the actual blockchains within each of these currencies. We're, we're, of course, we're just mucking around and buying it 
based on on a name. We've put no research into this Correct. <laughs> at and, all. And perhaps that disclaimer um, is important, Tim, just yeah. on the off chance that someone's listening and, and, <laughs> and doesn't right. know that we're being a bit a bit frivolous I here. Know. So obviously if this, not recommending it. Correct. We we we're, we're having a bit of a play purely for entertainment purposes at this stage and we absolutely if we were going to do this seriously we would conduct significantly more research <laughs> yes, Tim, i want right. to go back i want to go back a step i just want to share this and i'm sure every one of our listeners heard this story but you sort of made me giggle when you were talking about that security of the wallet and yeah. you lose this password it's it's game over i assume we've all heard this wonderful story of a gentleman um, by the name of uh, Stephen Thomas, I believe, is is the name of one of them. And he's um, a programmer, I, I believe. Um, he was German, I believe, European. Yep. Um, did some programming that that I believe was for Bitcoin or certainly for someone affiliated with Bitcoin. Moral of the story, got paid in some Bitcoin. Early on when it wasn't worth much. Early on. So I, he, I, he was absolutely brilliant, Tim. It was a beautiful interview, actually. I heard him interviewed recently. He's got a phenomenal amount from memory, two hundred, you know, 200, 350 million. Million, yeah. Sitting his Bitcoin. He's, he's failed two password attempts. Yeah. He's got one sitting there remaining. And he doesn't know what it is. And in this interview, he bona fide said, I have no idea, like no idea at all. There's no capacity that I'm going to get this. He has been speaking to one company who believe they have the technology to hack it. Yeah. But you can imagine what that would be costing him to to on the off chance that he doesn't get it. Tim, I just want to share with the audience very quickly. The thing I loved about this bloke is when the the, the person interviewing him said, "God, you must be devastated. You, this must be the worst thing for you ever." He actually said, "I've never had this money in the first place," <laughs> and he right. said, I, "I feel grateful for my life and the other yeah. great things." And I thought, well, that's a man turning down you know two hundred fifty million dollars. That's a pretty impressive attitude to have. Right? Yeah, I agree. So long Funny. as you're not losing that money, that would not be the right attitude exactly. to have. Tim, I, I think we've had a fantastic episode today. I hope our audience listening is feeling like we're one step closer yeah. to feeling like we're a bit empowered about cryptocurrency. Maybe oh, I definitely feel that after this one. Uh, it's agree. definitely been a solidifier. Yeah. Um, Next week is a little bit different, isn't it? Because I think our guest next week is a little bit more out there. And yeah, absolutely. He blew our head up with a few concepts. The, the that, incredible that cool. thing, the incredible thing is the gentleman who you heard in the interview today actually referenced the incredible man that we're interviewing next week. Yeah. George Samuels runs an incredible business called Fire. They have been part of this cryptocurrency journey for a long, long time and he is doing the most phenomenal things that I think are really going to open your eyes. He is going to take it to the next level. You know, he certainly taught Tim and I some stuff. Yeah. We certainly had a few moments where I think we both just went, what? And we've never interviewed <laughs> anyone from Panama either, so that was pretty cool. Honestly, and what Tim means by that is George was literally in Panama City. So it, <laughs> yeah. it, it's just, I really hope you guys are going to join us for episode three. Again, if you've got any extra questions or if you want to chat to Tim or I about this, we'd love to hear some feedback, anything you might want to say, any questions that are unanswered, please don't hesitate to drop us a line. We're really grateful for you coming on this little journey with us. Awesome, guys. Have a great week. See you soon. The information in this podcast is of a general nature and does not take into account your own financial objectives, circumstances and needs. You should consider your own personal situation and requirements before making any decision.
If you have any concerns or questions, please contact me. That's the end of another show. Remember, the grass isn't greener on the other side. It's greener where you water it. See you later.